The message you're about to listen to is produced by CRIC Media. Today I want us to look at something that the Lord impressed in our hearts. We began last week, how to stay on fire for God. How to stay on fire for God. If you read the book of Revelation 2 and verse 4, the Bible tells us, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You have left your first love. See? So repent, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Or else I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So it's possible to lose your first love. That's your fire. See? God wants us to be on fire. In Romans 12, verse 11, the Bible says, Not lagging in zeal, not lagging in zeal, but fervent in the Spirit, serving the Lord. Fervent in the Spirit, serving the Lord. Now, if you read this in the International Standard Version, it says, be on fire with the Spirit. Be on fire with the Spirit. See? So, one thing you've got to understand is that as a Christian, you have to be on fire. You cannot tolerate spiritual laxity. You can't. See, you can't. Never you do that. Don't think, oh, okay, I'm going to be cold today, then maybe some other time I'll... I'll step up my fire. Don't. Because God wants us all to be on fire for him. Let's look at Mark 9, 49. It says, For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Now, it lets me know what salt is to the natural realm, fire is to the spiritual realm. You see that? It says, For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. It says, Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves, and have peace with one another. So, the Bible lets us know the believer that is salted with fire is the believer that God wants. In other words, your sacrifice is not acceptable without fire. You see that? God told them not to eat the Passover raw. See that? It must be seasoned with fire. And it's important we realize that when it comes to our work with God, everything we do must be done in the power of the Spirit. See? in accordance to the leading of the Spirit. The Bible speaks of Jesus that he offered himself without spot to God through the eternal Spirit. So everything we do has to be salted with fire. All right. We said in our notes that staying on fire is intentional. We need to be consistent in doing things that keep our spiritual fires burning. As a Christian, you are 
in one of the following three categories. You are either white and passionate for Jesus. See, a believer that is hot as on fire is white hot and passionate for Jesus. Then, if you're not white hot, maybe you're lukewarm and passive. See, the believer who's lukewarm is passive. When you're white hot, your prayer life, you don't need someone to encourage you. You don't need anyone to encourage you to go win souls. You're on fire. You love time spent in the Word. See? You love time spent in the Word. But when you have to encourage you, when the entertainments of this world, the pleasures of this world become more appealing, you've lost your fire. It says in our notes here, as a Christian, you're in one of the following categories. You either one, white, hot, and passionate for Jesus. Two, lukewarm and passive. Or three, cold and indifferent. See, that's how you classify Christians. White, hot, and passionate. Lukewarm and passive. Or cold and indifferent. Which one are you? If you are hot, the Father is pleased with you. If you are lukewarm, Jesus said he will spew you out of his mouth. If you are cold, he will vitalize and energize you. Amen? All right. We said to stay on fire, number one, consecration. Consecration. You have to take up your cross. We need to go the way of self-denial. And in that way, you can walk in the fire of God. Hallelujah. Then we move to number two, desire. Desire. We said desire is a currency in the realm of the spirit. Let me just read you something to prove that. In Isaiah 55, I want us to begin from verse 1. It says, Oh, everyone that thirsted, or everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You have no money. Come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. So how did they buy it? It says, everyone who thirsts. So your spiritual hunger or your desire is your purchasing power in the realm of the spirit. Your spiritual hunger or desire is your purchasing power in the realm of the spirit. Number three, we said ask for it. You can cry out of fire. Number four, we said receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. When you stay full of the Spirit, you'll be on fire. We've dealt with the first four, so today we are looking at number five. Yield to the authority of God's word. You cannot be a rebel and enjoy fire. You can't. The Bible says the rebellious will dwell in dry land. The rebellious will dwell in dry land. So if you are rebellious to the voice of the Spirit, rebellious to the word of God, always wanting to have your own way, then you're going to dwell in a dry land. That's Psalm 68 verse 6. See, the reason why many people are dry spiritually, they are rebelling against the word of God. See, if you observe the life of Jesus, when he came to meet John the Baptist, let's go to Matthew 3, and reading from verse 13, Matthew 3, 
verse 13. All right. Now, you got to observe this, that John the Baptist has started his ministry before Jesus. So now John is baptizing people, and here comes Jesus. Verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? Hallelujah. Did you hear that? Jesus came to John, and John said, no, I need to be baptized by you, because John said that he's not worthy to untie the sandals of Jesus' feet. And Jesus himself said in Matthew 11, 11, that the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. So Jesus, in obedience to the leading of the Spirit, which we'll do later, or the leading of the Father, was willing to be baptized by John. John said, no, don't baptize me. But hear what Jesus said in verse 15. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Notice Jesus fulfilled all righteousness. See that? Verse 16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. So if you want to see the fire of God in your life, you must yield to the authority of God's word. God's word must be final authority in your life. You see, God and his word are one. The Bible says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was a God, and the word was God. So rebellion against the word is rebellion against God. So long as you're rebelling against God's word, there are certain areas of your life you won't see the fire. You won't see the fullness of the fire. You want to see the fullness of the fire? Then whatever the word of God says, you never argue with it. You do what the word of God says. Amen? All right. Now look at this. In our notes, let God's word be final authority in your life. Whatever the word of God says is final. Refuse to bow to the tradition and the opinions of men. They only lead to empty, worthless religion. If you don't want to be spiritually empty, then you must actually yield yourself to the authority of God's word. I want us to read something here in Matthew 15, 1 to 9. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1 to 9. Now, Jesus is actually trying to explain something here because of the contention of the Pharisees. Verse 1. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. Now notice what he, say, what he said. Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders, for they do not wash their hands when they eat. There are a lot of traditions in the body of Christ, not necessarily the word of God. See, religion is the worship of God based on human opinion or human tradition. Religion is the worship of God according to human opinion or human tradition. So if all you're doing is based on the traditional opinions of man, there'll be an emptiness. You will know the sweetness of the Spirit. You will know the intimacy with the Father. You will know the Father as a friend. Hallelujah. 
Yes, he's a father. Yes, he's the king of kings. Yes, he's the almighty. But it's a place of fellowship with your father. You won't be able to enjoy that. Verse 3. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Now watch this. They said, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Jesus said, Why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Now, you need to notice this. Intimacy with God requires revelation. If you're going to be, when God reveals himself to you, the essence of revelation is fellowship. God doesn't reveal himself to you so you can have a note full of write-ups. No. He reveals himself to you for fellowship. Are you following me? So he says, Jesus said, why do you transgress the command of God? Because of your tradition. That means they've exalted their tradition above the word of God. Have you exalted your tradition above the word of God? So long as you are exalting your tradition above the word of God, you will know intimacy with God. There will be emptiness. See, there will be emptiness in your life. Listen to this. For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and who will cause his father or mother, let him be put to death. Jesus is quoting the law here. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, what, what profit you might have received from me, it's a gift to God. You see that? Your parents should be able to enjoy you. See, you should be able to do some good stuff for your parents. Now, I heard someone say that what some of these people did was that when their parents are alive, they will, they will not give to their parents, but somehow in, invested in the temple that they'll collect the money later. I don't know. I'm not a Jewish scholar. But looking at the face of the scripture, it seems as though these people, instead of thinking of their parents, they will say, no, 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 I won't do that. It's, it's a koban. The word there is koban, or doron rather, which is a gift to God. Look at this. Then he need not honor his father or mother. No. You give to God, you give to your father and mother. See, there's some people who say, I gave to church and I'm not going to take care of my parents. No, there should be something from time to time you send to your parents, no matter how wealthy they are. No matter how wealthy they are. Jesus said we should be able to give to our parents. Jesus said that. Watch this. And he need not honor his father or mother, thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. In other words, they made the word of God powerless. If you want to see the power of God's word work in your life, you must accept the word of God as final authority. Jesus said, he said, it's a Doron. It's, 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 it's for God. And they don't want to care for their parents. Excuses. Now listen to this. Hypocrites. Well did Isaiah say about you saying, these would draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. So long as you are rebellious against God's word, you cannot be intimate with God. Because God will not lead you beyond your last point of disobedience. So if you want to be intimate with God, and you want that place where there's a, there's a koinonia, there's, there's an intimate fellowship, then don't violate what the word of God says. 
Because Jesus is using the word of God. The law was the word of God to the Jews. It says, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, with their heart is far from me. So God is saying, the proof of your intimacy with God is your attitude to his word. The proof of your intimacy with God is your attitude to his word. If you're finding yourself making excuses about what the Bible says, know you're backsliding. See, know that you are backsliding. And a backslider in the heart is full of his own ways. See, there are many Christians who are backsliders. Because they think the backslider is someone who's maybe already living in blatant sin and all that. No, that guy's gone far. But when you start rebelling against the word of God, you've started backsliding. See? It says, this will draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They look at verse 9. In vain they worship me. In other words, their, their worship is empty. Teaching us doctrines, the commandments of men. What is final authority in your life? What somebody said or what the word of God says? And that's why every doctrine has to be judged by the word of God. Every doctrine has to be judged by the word of God. Let me show you something here. In 1 Kings 18, we all know the story here, Elijah and the prophets of Baal and how fire fell. But some people don't know why the fire fell. I want to show you why the fire fell. Because if you know why the fire fell, then you always have fire falling in your life. Now listen to this. I want to begin from verse 30. The, the prophets of Baal have cried. They've done everything, caught themselves. Nothing happened. So much activity, nothing happened. Look at verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So the people came near to him. Watch this. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken. Notice, he didn't try to build a new altar. He repaired the altars of, of the Lord that was broken. You see that? You don't reinvent the wheel. God has already set the structures. All you need to do is build according to the structures God set. For instance, in our church, I had to go study the early church. I had to go study early church history and read some things. And I found out at the early church, they fasted on Wednesdays and Fridays. So I told the church, I said, then we have to fast on, on Wednesdays and Fridays. The early church took communion every day. In every house, any house they are in, they take communion. From house to house. So I told the church, I said, okay. Since Acts 27, they gathered together to break bread. And they broke bread in temple and from house to house. So in every meeting, we take communion. And we even break bread in our cell meetings. I remember reading, I think, the first book of Fox's book of Matthew. as one of the testimonies there on how, why they, when they were killing Christians. And one of the arguments against the Christians was that, yes, they, they are nice people. But he said they had one thing against them, that they ate flesh and drank blood whenever they met. See, the unbelievers didn't know that they were eating the body of the Lord, which is the wafer, and the wine, which is the blood of the Lord. See, 
the, the, we, it repaired the altar of the Lord. If you want to, if you want to see fire in your life, go to the Word of God and follow the pattern. See, for the Old Testament, let me read you something here. This is not part of my note, but I think um, you need to see this. The man called Moses, he built the tabernacle according to the pattern that God showed him. All right? And when he finished the work, notice he built it according to the pattern God told him. All right? When he finished the work, verse 34 of Exodus 40, it says, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Because it built it according to the pattern. There's a pattern for your ministry. See, there's a pattern. When you follow that pattern, you will see the glory. There's a book by Kennedy Higgins, Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. I think every Christian should read it. See, when you follow the pattern, the glory will made manifest. Solomon built according to the pattern. And guess what? At the dedication of the temple in 2 Corinthians 5, what happened? The glory fell. The glory fell. So if you want to see the fire of God, the glory of God in your life, then the patterns of God becomes a priority. See, the purpose of God becomes a priority. He repaired the altar. Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. He didn't try to do his own thing. He just repaired the altar of the Lord. All right. Let's go back to 1 Kings 18, verse 30. It says, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So the people came near to him and repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. Notice this. He took 12 stones, not 13. You know, people say, this is modern day. We do things in the modern day. I know the Bible says that this is modern day. You will have another spirit. The Bible says the spirit of God bears witness to that which is true. And the word of God is truth. The Bible says the spirit is truth. So when I do things according to the word of God, the spirit of God bears witness. There will be fire. See, there will be fire. Look at this. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the 12 stones they built an altar, watch this, in the name of the Lord. Not in his own name. There's some of you who say, this is my ministry. I can do what I wanna, 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 whatever I want to do. No. You are a steward of the ministry the Lord gave you. See, you are a steward of the ministry the Lord gave you. So everything done in your ministry must be according to what the Lord said. It must not valid, it must not violate the word of God or invalidate the word of God. It must not violate, violate V-I-O-L-A-T-E or invalidate the word of God. It must be in line with the word. 
Then with the twelve stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two sails of sea. He put the wood in order. Notice, he put the wood in order. Cut the bulls in pieces and laid it on the wood and said, Fill, the water, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the bonds, sacrifice on the wood. He said, Do it a second time, four the first time, four the second time, that's eight. And he did a second time, as I said, do it a third time. And he did a third time, that's 12. Are you seeing the order? 12 stones and 12 water pots. And he did a third time, so the water ran around the altar. And he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at a time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Now notice, Elijah didn't just call fire anyhow. He waited to the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Some say 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And amazingly, Jesus on the cross at 3 p.m. in the afternoon said, It is finished. Think about that. You can see that this man of God is following some form of spiritual protocol. He's following some form of spiritual protocol. And a lot of people don't know why some people see fire all the time and they don't see fire. Look at this. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. See, oh boy. If you look at the book of Daniel, let's look at Daniel 9 and verse 21. Daniel 9, 21. It says, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, whilst I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me, watch this, about the time of the evening offering or the evening sacrifice. Notice that there are protocols in the heaven. The angel came about a time of the evening sacrifice. In Acts chapter 10 and verse, let me read from verse 3. Acts 10 verse 3. It says, about the night hour. The night hour of the day is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The sixth hour is 12 o'clock. They start counting from 6 a.m. By 7 a.m. is the first hour. Eight is the second hour. Nine is the third hour. The Holy Spirit fell at 9 o'clock in the morning, the third hour of the day. Then... We see in the case of Cornelius, about the night hour of the day, he saw clearly a, in a vision an angel was coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, now I believe there are no meaningless details in the Bible. Why the night hour of the day? Because that's the time of the evening sacrifice. And now this man of God, Elijah, waited till the time of the evening sacrifice. He waited till the time of the evening sacrifice. Verse 36, 1 Kings 18, 36. It says, 
And it came to pass at the time of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, listen to his words, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, one, and I am a servant, two, and that I have done all these things, three, at your word. You see, he was acting based on the word. Twelve stones, twelve water pots. He was following the due order. God's word is his due order. If you live your life according to the word of God, you will always have fire. Guess what? Then the fire fell, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the bond sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. Fire. In my early days, when people say someone has died, I used to just jump up to go pray. But I began to learn that I should follow that inner prompting. And by the grace of God, we are seeing results. See that? The dead is being raised as we follow the inner order. There's a man that has raised about 23 people from the dead. And he asked him, how come he has success? He said, I don't just jump up and pray every time. There's a knowing in me to step out there. I believe that's the gift of faith. See, there's a knowing. Singularly, he has raised 23 people from the dead. Another one I know of, he holds on to a word from God that God gave him concerning maybe this individual or he has studied the word of God about raising the dead again and again, meditated on the scriptures and he steps out there. Now someone jumps and says, I don't, I don't know why the dead didn't raise, rise up. That person has been spending time meditating on the word of God and imagining himself, seeing himself raise the dead. Meditating on the name of Jesus is so fire. So if you have to see fire, you have to align with the word of God. If you want to see fire, you have to align with the word of God. Let me show you something else. Let's look at John, Jeremiah, rather, Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Jeremiah 15, 16. It says, your words were found and I ate them. Your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Notice the joy you have in your life as a child of God is traceable to your relationship with the word of God. See that? So if you want to have joy stirred up in your heart, then you have to take fellowship with the word of God very seriously. Very, very seriously. Because the word of God stirs up joy in our heart. Look at John 15 verse 11. John 15, 11. It says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Notice that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. See that? So, when you spend time in the Word of God, it actually builds joy into you. 
in verse 13 of John 17, John 17, verse 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. You see that? So when you, when you spend time in the word of God, there's a joy it gives you. There's a joy. You want fire? You must align with the word of God. You must, you must give time to the word of God. In Jeremiah 20, verse 9. And I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire shot up in my bones. I was wary of holding it back, and I could not. You see that? So you spend time. That's one way you build fire. I'm a very passionate person for God. I love God. And those around me know that I love God more than I love myself. I love God more than I love my family. I love God more than I love anything else. You spend time with the Word. You let the Word of God have final authority. If you let it have the final say, then you're going to have fire. See? You're going to have fire. Verse 29 of Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23, verse 29. It's not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Fire. You need fire in your life. See? You need fire in your life. And if you're going to have fire in your life, then the word of God. Then word of God. Because every time you spend in the word of God, you are stoking your fire. See? You're, you're making it stronger. You're stirring it. You're stirring that fire. Because many will say, I, I, don't, I don't know when I used to be on fire for God. Now, the question I want to ask you, if you observe yourself, you're not spending the time you used to spend with God like in your early days. When you first got born again, you read your Bible a lot. You prayed a lot. But now you're so busy that the cares of this life have choked the word of God. You want, to be, you want to stay current with the trends. You watch so much news, so much news, that right now you can qualify as news, newscaster of the year, though you don't work in any station. See? You need to get into the word again. Because you're feeding yourself with the pleasures of this world, the entertainment of this world. You're quenching your fire. See? You're quenching your fire. Let me read you something in John 15, verse 9 to 10. Jesus said, As the Father have loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Now listen to this. If you keep my commandments, that's his word, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. In other words, as you do the word, your love, your passion for God gets stronger. As you disobey the voice of God and rebel against the word of God, you find out that your, your love for God, your love for the things of God, you start, you start quenching. So you need to let the word of God have final authority in your life. Amen. You need to let the word of God have final authority in your life. All right. In James 1.22, the Bible says we should be doers of the word, not hearers only, Deceiving ourselves because you'll be making progress. You can have a lot of messages. If you're not acting in line with what you're learning, then you're, you're empty. You're going to be spiritually empty. So it's important that each of us get back to that place where more time 
is spent in the word. Now look at Luke 24 verse 32. It says, and they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? See, when you expose yourself to the word of God, it will burn in your heart. It will burn in your heart. So expose yourself to anointed word. All right, number six, fasting and prayer. You cannot be on fire without fasting and prayer. It's so important for you to fast and pray if you want to maintain fire. In fact, I think it's the book um, on the Sunday anointing, if I'm not mistaken, by Kennedy Higgins, that when Jesus appeared to him, Jesus told him that one way to stay in the healing flow is to maintain a fasted life. See, when you when you're fasting, it fine-tunes your spirit. It helps to dislodge weights. See, it streamlines your focus. Praise God. I would encourage you to get our series, Fasting Unplugged. See, get our series on fasting. You can call the, the number on the screen, plus 234-803-382-7072, and order for the message. So because when you maintain a fasted life, I live a fasted life. I fast, but I live a fasted life. Look at this. As we give ourselves a prayer on fasting, we maintain the glow of the Holy Spirit of God. When we speak in tongues, we are rekindling the flames of the fires of the Spirit. When we fast, the intensity of the fire is accentuated. In other words, the fire increases. See, the fire increases. Let's read a few scriptures. Let's read Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, beginning from verse 5 to 7. Okay, look at this. It says, Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast and a Sabbath day to the Lord? Is, is this not a fast I have chosen to lose the bonds of wickedness? to undo the heavy burdens, to let your press go free, and you break every yoke, fasting will undo the burdens. It will, you will shed off spiritual weight. See? You will shed off spiritual weight. Watch this when you fast. If you want to get answers, is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Then you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide your, your flesh, hide yourself from your own flesh. Look at verse 8. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. In fact, if you, there's some books that show you that fasting is therapeutic. See, because you allow your body to flush toxins. See, when, that's why when we, when we fast, maybe a long fast, I drink water, it just flushes off toxins out of your body. So your healing will spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Notice the glory of God is released when you fast. See, the glory of the Lord is released. Hallelujah. So fasting is important. Look at verse 13. You can read the whole thing for yourself. Let's just read on verse 9. Isaiah 58, 9. Then you, shall call, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say here, I'm 
Notice intimacy. Christ, if you say, here I am, intimacy. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, clarity of guidance. Your darkness shall be as noonday. The Lord will guide you continually. Watch this. Satisfy your sudden drought. Strengthen your bones. Healthier bones. You shall be like a water garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. See, it affects your spiritual life. First thing will stir up your old fires. The, the, the flow of the Spirit will be fresh. Verse 12. Those who are among you shall build the old waste places. Restoration. Restoration. Those who are among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. Restoration is taking place. You shall be called the repair of the bridge, the restore of streets to dwell in. If you turn away your food from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, call the Sabbath to delight the holy day of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him not doing your own ways, not finding your own pleasure, not speaking your own words. Watch this, verse 14. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. Fasting will stay your spiritual fire. If you want to stay on fire, you must maintain a fasted life. You must fast from time to time. The Apostle Paul tells us in fastings often. He was a fasting man. Paul the Apostle, under grace, was a fasting man. So you need to know the place of fasting. Second Corinthians 6 and verse 5. It says, in fastings. In fastings. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 5. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 27. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 27. It says, in fastings often. You see that? If you want to maintain the fire, Paul was a man on fire for God. You have to have a regular time you fast. I told you the early church fasted on Wednesdays and Fridays. You can even say this in the, in the Didache. Which like a writings, writings about how the early church carried out the activities. They fasted on Wednesdays and Fridays. They said the unbelievers fast on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but we will fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. So you should have regular fasting in your life. In fact, when I was in training for ministry, one of the things we were taught is that if you're going to go far spiritually, you must learn to have a personal online prayer, personal online study, and fast often. I can tell you it has done me a lot of good. See, a lot of good. Hallelujah. Fasting and prayer, very, very important. Now let's look at Romans 12, 11. Romans 12, verse 11. It says, not lagging in zeal. Not lagging in diligence. Some say not lagging in zeal. See, some say not slothful in business. So if you don't want to be slothful or lagging in zeal, we want to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient tribulation. The Bible says you have to be continuing steadfastly in prayer. See, you've got, to be, you've got to be a man or woman of prayer. It will keep you on fire for God. The prayer, your prayer life will keep you on fire. So you need to have a prayer life. A scheduled prayer life. Why? You want to be able to move and make progress spiritually. In Mark 2, verse 18, Mark 2, 18, let's listen to Jesus here. 
The disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but disciples do not fast? They're talking to Jesus now. And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? In other words, if there's a wedding ceremony taking place, will the people be fasting? Of course not. As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. In other words, when Jesus has gone physically from the earth, they will fast in those days. Then he explains in verse 21 and 22. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tears made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wineskin busts, the new wine busts the wineskins. Then he says, the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskin. New wines must be put, must be put into new wineskin. Do you know that when God wants to change your season, He requires you to fast? But Jesus, a transition into his ministry, he had to fast. He had to fast. He fasted for 40 days. If you read Luke to the 4, verse 1 to 14. In verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. See, if you want fire, then you have to fast. You have to maintain regular fasting. You will sense it, that maybe you shouldn't eat. Obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 13, verse 2 to 3, they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Spirit says, Separate to me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work I have called them. Notice they were fasting. And the Bible tells us that when they had fasted, they laid hands on them and sent them away. See, they were fasting. In Acts 14, I believe, verse 23, in the children of the elders, they also fasted. See, the, the pattern is that you don't need to reinvent the wheel. It's there. Now, it says, so when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended it to the Lord whom they had believed. Fasting. So, when you want to move into a new season, you want to take up a new project, go on a fast as God leads you. See, you, you, you hear clearly. You find out you're, you're getting too busy and be clouded by all the business of life. It's time to fast. See, that's why Paul says in fastings often. To stay in tune. In fastings often. In Acts 10, when you read from verse 11 downwards, you find out that Peter was on the housetop. He would have eaten. He was hungry. He was on a fast. Cornelius was on a fast. You see that? If you want to change your season, then fasting has to be a part of your life. It has to be a part of your life. Hallelujah. Acts 10 from verse 9 downwards. Peter was praying, but I want to show you Cornelius. And um, Acts 10, and let's read verse 30. Acts 10, 30. So Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the night hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your arms are remembered inside of God. Cornelius was fasting when the angel came and released the work concerning the salvation of his household. 
If you want fire, you have to be fasting. In fact, if you read this verse, Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. He was still fasting when Peter came. And when Peter was preaching the word, the Bible said the Holy Ghost fell on all those who heard the word. Fasting. You want to stay on fire? Then you have to pray. You have to be a person of prayer and a person who fasts. See? You have to be a person who prays and a person who fasts. In Acts 4, let's read verse 31. Acts 4, 31. And when they had, they had, they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. When they had prayed, they were filled with the Holy Ghost again. And wherever the Spirit is, there is fire. See, I want to encourage you to begin to make time for the word. Look for some time, maybe a weekend. And say, I'm going to spend this morning in prayer and the study of the word of God. You can even block off a weekend if you're on leave. And block off a weekend and say, I'm going to take these three days and get back to what I used to be when I was on campus. When you used to hear God and flow in the gifts of the Spirit. You need to go back to it. Go back to that fasting. Go back to that discipline. What God told you, God told you when you were on campus. Fast this day or study this time or pray this time. You've left it. Now you've lost your fire. It's time to come back to that place of fire. And go back to the initial instruction God gave you. And you find out that the fire of God will come alive in your life. It will come alive. The fire will come alive. Many people don't know why. Oh, they're like, I don't know. I, I used to be on fire. Oh, when you, when you just, no, no, no. You got, you, you, got, you got to stay in prayer. See, you got to stay in prayer. You fast. As the Lord leads you. You fast. And Peter tells us in 1 Peter 4, 7 to 8. That he earned of all things at hand. That we should be sober. And he speaks of us praying. See, and in the next verse, he tells us to be, have fervent love for one another. That prayer will bring you to fire. Don't forget when Jesus was praying, the Bible says his fashion of his countenance was altered. His face changed. His face changed. See, the glory within him was activated. And it enveloped his, 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 his flesh. And it clothed, the Bible says his, his clothes were as white as snow. It was glistening and glittering. That fire is in you. But it will only manifest when you give yourself to prayer. Some of you, to, some of you need to get angry where you are. And passionately go after God and say, I'm going to spend time in prayer. And you find that fire back. Do you know something? The man that is on fire that sees. Because the fire lightens the darkness. So you can see clearly in the realm of the spirit. You can discern. You can discern deception. Because you're on fire. See? When you're on fire, you're more sensitive to the voice of God. When you're on fire, you can hear clearly. When you're on fire, you're more loving. You have a better marriage when you're on fire. Because the Bible tells us in Romans 5 verse 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. See, one version says, 
the love of God is poured out into our hearts. So, as you spend time and you're on fire, you become more loving. You have a better marriage. Now you're cranky, always quarreling. Two of you always quarreling. Guess what? Because both of you have lost your fire. It wasn't like this in the beginning. You know how you were. You were so passionately in love. You could tell this one was offended and you apologized and fixed everything. Your marriage was heaven on earth when you were on fire. Now you've lost it. You've chased wealth. Chased money at the expense of God and family. Now it's time to come back. Come back to that place of intimacy and let God light again your fire to spend time with his word. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says you fan the flame. Fan the flame. Stir the embers. We do that by praying and by spending time fasting. I trust that what you've learned today has blessed you. I want to encourage you as a child of God to Put to practice what you learn, consecration. See, consecration. Don't allow anything to take God's place in your life. See, don't allow it. The Bible says your eye be single, your whole body be full of light. See, if your eye be evil, say your body be full of darkness, say how great is that darkness. So you've got to be single, you've got to be focused. Unless you're focused, the fire of God will burn hurt in your life. Then, your desire. See, your desire. So long as you remain focused, your desire will be strong because desire is a function of focus. Then you ask him, ask him for fire, ask him to fill you afresh. And that's very important. Amen? Then you receive the Holy Ghost. If you don't feel the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive him. Then yield to the authority of God's word. Then let you give yourself to fasting and prayer. Amen? Thank you for listening to this message. As we preach the full message of this new life, our goal is to raise a people who are like Jesus by exposing them to the influence of God's word and his spirit in an atmosphere of love so that they may be able to take the love of God, the word of God, and the healing power of God to every individual within their sphere of contact. For more information on how you can get other messages by Apostle David Wale Fesso, Visit us at Charismatic Renaissance International Church, Kilometer 9 and 10, along Isaac Boro Expressway, Bilbulu, Yenegua, Bayonso State. You can also visit our website at crichurch.org. Follow us on Facebook at Charismatic Renaissance or call 003-382-7072 or 005-120-4708. God bless you.